We're actually going to get started there tonight. And uh, so as we continue on looking at this teaching, you know, in this second chapter, he talks about, you know, the title of it is Living Free in Christ, Living Free in Him. And so in this second chapter, Paul really begins to talk about um, the teachings that are coming against them, the false teachers, the, the legalism that has been trying to uh, get a hold of um, the people in Colossae and, and Laodicea. And so this is the main focus of this portion of Scripture. He begins to talk about um, how those errors come against them. And, and what it does is it really amplifies to us or really shows to us the importance of the Word of God, of understanding the Word under the inspiration, the leading of the Holy Spirit, uh, so that we don't get caught up in the different legalisms, the bondages that are, that are out there trying to pull us in and keep us from walking in the freedom that's truly, that truly belongs to us. Because ultimately, that's, that's what it is, is it, it's what, you know, these false teachings, what they'll do is they'll keep us from walking in the freedom that's been made available to us through Christ Jesus. And that's why the Word of God is so important because it's got to be our basis for whatever it is that we believe. And, a, and especially when we look at the epistles because, you know, really that's where we need to live. We need to live. You know, the Old Testament has got the accounts, it's got the stories, it's got the examples that we can look to and we can learn from and grow by and so forth. But ultimately, you know, as we talked about two weeks ago, how it's so important for us to realize the revelation that comes to us through the epistles because it's, it's that mystery that's been revealed to us, that belongs to us in this dispensation. And so uh, we need to find those truths. And, and so we what we find about Paul then is he begins to pray for the church and the, the Colossians and he begins to pray for the, the Laodiceans um, because he, he's heard that there's this Gnosticism, this air that's trying to come against them. And so he prays that they, they won't get caught up in it. But notice what he does. He does more than just simply pray. He begins to share truth. And because ultimately we need that truth. As it says in the Gospel of John, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And so it isn't just a matter of knowing about truth or knowing that truth is there. It's knowing that truth, and that truth that we know is going to bring freedom and wholeness into our life. And so that's why it's so important for us to, uh, to get a hold of these truths. And so we're going to begin in Colossians, the second chapter. I'm going to begin in the, the first verse. And, and so this is, you know, kind of Paul beginning to share with us the struggles that he's going through, because he he struggled with this. He cared uh, about these churches. He cared about these people. And so he wanted them to walk in freedom. He wanted them to walk in the wholeness that was available to them. And so we begin in verse 1, and it says, For I want you to know that a, what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not been, I, I have not seen face seen my face in the flesh. So he's saying, you know, one of the issues here is that you haven't 
seen me face to face. We haven't, I haven't been able to teach you, but I'm wanting you to get this truth. And so let me read this out of the uh, literal translation. It says, for I would, Thilo, wish, desire. For he says, this is my desire, that ye knew what or how great a conflict, that you would know what kind of a conflict that I'm going through. And the reason he says this is he, you know, if you knew how I'm struggling with this, how, how much I want you to get this truth, you would realize the significance and the importance of it. You know, I think sometimes we read the scriptures and we, we, just, we just approach it so flippantly. We don't realize that as we get the scriptures on the inside of us, it's a it's literally a matter of life and death. You know, I'll hear, hear people share things from the scripture and so forth, and they, they share it almost with a flippant attitude. And, and we, we can't do that because we're, we're dealing with people's lives. We're talking about life and death, spiritual life and death. And so that's what Paul's talking about here. This is why he says, I put so much emphasis on this because it is so important for you to get a hold of these truths so that you can walk in the freedom that's been made available to you. And so he says that you may, might know how great a conflict, Aegon, uh, struggle in wrestling. In other words, he's wrestling with this truth. There's a struggle that's going on. I have for you on your behalf. And so this struggle is on their behalf. It isn't because he's struggling to get a hold of this truth. He's struggling with it on their behalf that they might get a hold of it. And for them all in Laod the Laodiceans, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. In other words, you know, it's not that Paul thinks he's something special, but he knows he has a special message. And so what he's saying is, he says, I, I struggle with this idea that I haven't been able to share this with everybody face to face. You know, when, when you get a hold of a truth, what do you want to do? You want to share it with everybody that's significant to you, that's important to you. You know, when I got a hold of the gospel, I mean, I wanted to share it with people, and my, my greatest surprise was people didn't want to hear it. <laughs> you know, and, and so you, you struggle with that. I mean, I struggle that to this day with, with members of my family, that they don't, they don't want to hear the gospel. They've, they're, they're so steeped in religion uh, that the moment that you bring it up, it's, there, there's a block that takes place. And so they, they're unable to hear it. You know, oftentimes you try to share truth with somebody and it's just like, boom, it's just like they go, it goes right over their head. And the reason it seems that way is because, boom, it went right over their head. There was a block. They didn't get a hold of it. And so this is what Paul is talking about. And so it's not something different from what you and I struggle with when we're trying to get somebody to get a hold of the truth. You know, as a pastor, sometimes you just, you just wish you could take this Bible and you could just shove it down somebody's throat. But it doesn't work that way. Every individual has to be able to receive it for themselves. You see people in such bondage and having such struggle in their life. And you know what the answer is. And it isn't because you're prideful. It isn't because you're arrogant. It isn't because you think you know it all. But you know you know something. And what you know is that Jesus has come to set the captive free. And if they'd but received the truth of the gospel, they would be able to experience freedom in their life. And so this is a struggle that, that Paul is going through. Paul begins by greeting the church in Colossae 
in writing them on uh, this struggle that he's going through on their behalf. And he says, it's the same struggle that I'm having for the, the church and uh, the Colossians, I'm having for the Laodiceans. And see, the thing about it is he hasn't, you know, been to either of those churches, but he still, he still wants to get this message into the congregation. And so that's, that's the challenge that he's having. How do I get this truth to you so that you can walk in freedom? In B, in your notes, it says, Paul's conflict is a wrestling match of prayer for the saints in Colossae and the Laodiceans because false religion was trying to enter into the church. I'll tell you something. There's never been a day like there is today where, where false teaching is trying to enter into the church. And you know the thing that's so ironic about it? It's flagrant. It's flagrant, and, and oftentimes the ones in the church that are supposed to be protecting us, guiding us, they're the ones that are falling prey to it. We have churches that no longer accept the Word of God. I mean, they call themselves Christian churches that are no longer accepting the Bible as being the ultimate truth. It's one of the truths. We have individuals that are, that are saying, you know, uh, whether it be Muslims or Buddhists or whatever, we're all on the same plane. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. Well, if you believe that, then you can't believe the Bible. Because the Bible says, Jesus says himself, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father but through me. And so anything contrary to that or contradictory to that is, is one of these lies and deceptions that's trying to come in. And what's it ultimately coming in for? It's to steal from us. Because the moment that we begin to accept a lie, we're, we're, we're susceptible to accepting other lies. Remember many years ago um, when we had Hilton Sutton here in the church, he, he spoke on end times and so forth. And right during that time, there was a lot of um, conflict within the church concerning some of the teachings that were coming out. And so uh, after the meeting, I'd taken um, Hilton Sutton back out to the hotel and and so we were sitting in the car and I began to ask him about some of these things. And, and I looked at him as one of the fathers in the faith. And, and at first he really didn't want to say anything, but then he began to open up. And he, he was talking about one individual in one area where there was, there was, according to how we interpret the Bible, there was air there. And he says, I just want you to always remember one thing. He said, if somebody's susceptible to air in one area, they're susceptible to err in another area. And the point that he was making wasn't that we've got it all together, that we have everything perfectly. But when somebody is in error and where, where it comes to the basic truths and principles of God's Word, and they're not teaching that truth, that principle, then they're in error. And if they're in error in that area, they're susceptible to being in error in other areas as well. Now, don't, don't sit around and judge everybody and, 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 and get nitpicky with people because none of us, this may be a revelation to you, 
But none of us are perfect. None of us have the full counsel of God. None of us have it all put together yet. But we're, we're striving, we're working in that direction. And we won't have it until we meet him in the air. But when you see something that's being taught that, is, that goes totally crossways with, with what you know the Bible says, um, my counsel to you would be to walk away from it. In Ephesians, you know, remember that these, epi these epistles, there's m many parallels uh, among them because Paul's the one that's teaching them. But in Ephesians, uh, the third chapter, I want to read from the 14th verse. And this is one of our, we call it the Pauline prayers or whatever. But it says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. How do we get that fullness of God? Well, it comes through the scriptures. As we take this word, we accept this word, we walk in this word, we recognize what's been made available through the word. And so we need this understanding of the word of God. And then we go into the second verse. And it says, that their hearts may be enlightened, or that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. You know, the, the Bible is what, you know, Jesus is love. And God is love, tells us in 1 John. God is love. God isn't just simply a lover. God is love. And as I've said so many times, any definition of love, leaving God out is an incomplete definition of love. And so God is love. And so Jesus is love. And, and, and we're, to, we're to, our hearts are to be knit together. And how does that take place? It's got to be based on love. It's got to be based on, and how do we get this love? We get it through the, the working of the Holy Spirit as the Word of God is revealed to us, as we begin to see God as He really is. You know, you can't, you can't, really, you can't really love someone or something until you're familiar with it. And there's a lot of people that say they love God, but they're not familiar with God. They haven't taken time to, to really be introduced to God. And so to say that God is love, they're just, they're just speaking out a cliche at that point because they don't really know. But see, we know that God is love. And the reason that we know God is love is because we've had a personal encounter with God. And that personal encounter has come through the Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit working that in our lives. 
But, but to know love, because I, I believe that our love for God is to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And the way that that happens is through knowledge. The more we understand of what he's made available to us, the do- more deeply we will love him. Again, let's look at, at, at it in the, in the literal translation, which is in your notes. It says, that their hearts might be comforted, paracleto, encouraged. That our hearts might be encouraged. You know what? We, shouldn't, we should never be discouraged. We see all kinds of negative things around us. But we don't have to be discouraged. What we do is we go back to the Word and we get encouraged. The Word should always be an encouragement to us. Well, Pastor, sometimes the Word brings correction. Yeah, it does. And that ought to be an encouragement to us that we're back on the right path. You know, correction isn't a horrible thing, folks. Correction is a good thing. There are certain things in the Scripture that, that religion has given a negative, has given a negative, negative connotation to. We think of correction. We think of repentance. We think of all those things from a, from a negative standpoint. But those, those, aren't, those things are not negative. For us as believers, they're positive because they get us back on the course where we want to be because that course will always lead to victory. It'll always lead us to be an, overcoming, an overcomer of whatever it is that we're dealing with. And so um, that our hearts might be comforted, encouraged, being knit together, having been united in love, agape, divine love from the Holy Spirit. You see, Christian love is a really strange thing. Because you can take people that have absolutely nothing in the natural in common, but they love one another. I think about, you know, we... I mean, I wouldn't make the trip by myself, but, you know, we went out to Oregon to see Colleen and her husband and family. And, folks, we have, we have nothing in common. Absolutely nothing in common. I mean, one night we're playing cards and this cat is, crawls up and it's sitting on my shoulder. And so, so Becky took a picture of it and sent it to our kids and our kids looked at it and we get all these texts back. Who are these people? What happened to my parents? And, and one night we're there and, and, and one of her kids come over and he's got these two ferrets and, and wouldn't, wasn't happy until Becky was holding one of the ferrets. And so I took a picture and sent it back and, and, and same text come back, where are our parents? What have you done with our parents? <clears throat> three dogs, three cats, and a bird in the house. We don't have any critters in our house. If they're in our house, they don't belong there. We have traps set for them. <laughs> but it was, it was all over the place, you know? And, and so we have nothing in common. But 45 years ago, she, Colleen and Becky began to get acquainted with one another in Minnesota. We moved to Jefferson, got born again. She came to see us in Jefferson, got born again, and our hearts were knit together. And it's been that way for 45 years. Why? I have no idea. But yet we, we go out and we see them because of the love of God. That's the one thing that binds us together. And 
You probably have same kind of relationships with individuals. You look at this people, this person, and you think, why? But it's the love of God, and it's divine. It's through the Holy Spirit, and we can't figure it out, and so we might as well just stop trying. And unto all riches, abundantly, richly, uh, of the full assurance. We're to have an abundant assurance and understanding of the truth of what God has made available to us. We don't, we don't have to be confused. We don't have to be wondering about what our future is going to be. Our future is settled. I've read the end of the book. We don't have anything to worry about. Now we're to, we're to maintain and, and uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, well, it'll do, but that's not what I'm thinking of. To maintain. It's, it's, we use it. It'll come to me later and I'll text you. No, I won't. <laughs> but but we're, to, we're to maintain what God has provided for us. Po not, not possessing. Pos no, that's not either. Let's move on. Can't think of, you know, I just love that when those words don't come. To the full assurance of understanding, understanding knowledge, to the acknowledgement, revelation knowledge, of the mystery, the New Testament epistles, of God and of the Father, and even of Jesus Christ. And so this is what he's praying for these, these saints in Colossia and, and, and in Laodicea, that, that they would get revelation, not just knowledge, revelation knowledge. You know, <clears throat> revelation, Oral Roberts used to, there was one statement that he would always make when he was wanting to bring a truth out. He'd say that you would know that you'd know. That it wasn't just knowing something, but you would know that you know that you know. That's where we need to be concerning these truths and promises of God. That's where we are concerning salvation. Nobody can convince us we're not saved. Why? Because we know that we know that we're saved. Because the Word of God says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, ye shall be saved. And because we've done that, we know that we know that we're saved. But you know what? It's to be the same way with every one of the other truths of the Scripture. It's to be that revelation knowledge that nobody can convince me that by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed. That nobody can convince me that my needs aren't met according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That nobody can convince me that I've not been set free through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we see his promises and we, we live in them, we walk in them, we're confident in them. And so that's what Paul is saying to these saints in Colossia that that their hearts would be knit together in the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us. You know, this is kind of getting off track, but I, I really believe there's, there's, there's two kinds of anointings that are available to us. Each one of us, we, we have an anointing upon us. But when we come together, and this is why Sunday morning, even Wednesday evenings are, are important, that we come together, and I believe that there's a, there's a corporate anointing that takes place. You know, and that's where the Holy Spirit really begins to move. And, and when that, uh, 
that corporate anointing is there. You may have a need in your life, and, and as the pastor, I don't even speak it out or address it or whatever it may be, but that anointing is there to, to, to bring wholeness and freedom into your life. And so you can be sitting right there in your chair, and all of a sudden, God brings something to you that, that sets you free in an area of your life. Or, you know, it can be a totally different subject from what I'm teaching on, but you need to know something. And the Holy Spirit can just drop it on you. And you leave here and you think, man, Pastor Dave preached so well tonight because I got just exactly what I, wanna, what I needed tonight. Praise the Lord. Thank God for Pastor Dave and his messages that I was able to receive tonight exactly what I needed. And so we get out in the hallway and you say, Pastor Dave, I just thank God for you because, because of you I received that what I needed tonight. And you share it with me. And I look at you and I think, where were you? That has absolutely nothing to do with anything that I talked about tonight. But yet God in his miraculous ability because of the corporate anointing, is able to bring into your life exactly what you need at that moment. He's so wonderful. And so we need to grow in the Word. The more that we grow in the Word, the more that we have access to what he's made available to us. Not only to ourselves, but to the whole congregation. You know, we all, have, we all have deficiencies in our life. There's areas where we're deficient. There's areas where we need understanding. There's areas where we need growth. But Christ, through the Word of God, He can fill every one of those deficiencies in our life. And I believe that that's what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about how when we come together with full assurance of knowledge, of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, he fills us up with, with what it is. We, we can't figure it out with our minds. There's no point in us even trying. But as believers, he'll establish us. He'll bring those deficiencies that we need in our life. You know, we're not, we're not smart enough to figure it out. We like to think that we are, but we're not smart enough to figure it out. But the Holy Spirit, He's the one that's going to bring it to us. He's the one that illuminates it so that we can see it and so that we can begin to walk in the victory that's been made available to us. Verse 3, in whom? Now, of course, let me back up a little bit so we get a running start on this, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, to whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In whom, who's that talking about? That's talking about Christ. Are hidden all the wisdoms and knowledge Natural knowledge, wisdom, spiritual understanding, it's all hidden in Christ. And so how are we ever going to find those things if we don't look to Him? You know, the world is, is full of knowledge. It's filled with knowledge. Uh, 
gnos is the Greek. It's natural knowledge. They have all kinds of natural knowledge. We can look around and, and, and we can learn so many things. And, you know, I'm not opposed to learning, especially after my message on Sunday when I said we need to read. You know, and, and so, you know, it doesn't always have to be spiritual, but we need to keep our minds active. And so there is that natural knowledge. But a lot of times, even with the natural knowledge, there can be a spiritual application to it. But if we just settle for the natural, we'll never be able to go, we never go beyond that. In him is hidden the treasures. The treasures are the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Amidst all the knowledge that belongs to the world, a treasure, revelation knowledge, that comes from the Holy Spirit. He can show us things that the world can't show us. You know, I like to talk, I like to refer to wisdom and knowledge this way. Knowledge, you know, and especially if we look at it from the context of the spiritual gifts, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. I look at the word of knowledge as being something that's knowable, that God reveals something to us that's knowable. I may not have learned it, but he's able to show me something that's knowable. Wisdom is God taking and showing me how to use that knowledge that I have. We have, we have that in the natural too, where, where we have people that are wise. They know how to take natural things and, and use it. Well, God wants to do that in our lives in a spiritual, in a supernatural way, where he reveals things to us that are knowable, but then he gives us the wisdom to know how to take it and apply it in our life. And so, you know, we talk about, you know, in, in the world, we, we need to have knowledge to know how to um, take care of our families, whatever it may be. But you know what? God can take us to another level where he can do it supernaturally. Not take care of our families, but show us how to take care of our families. You know, because it, taking care of them, that's our responsibility, but he can show us ways that we've never dreamed of, and he'll do it through the Holy Spirit. But we've got to be in a place where he's able to do that. The treasure that is hidden in all the world's wisdom is found in Christ. You know, it's an, it's an interesting thing. You can study back in history and there's never been a nation that's needed a patent law that didn't have the gospel. You know, if you go back and you look at, at nations when they became, they became great, um, the gospel was a part of their heritage. And many of these nations, they, they turned away from the gospel and, and, they, and they began to deteriorate. I think of Russia, for example. A Rush, Russia was a very spiritual nation at one point, back before the czars and, and, and so forth. Uh, but, but look what's, what's happened to it, how it's deteriorated. You know, Germany, you know, our heritage comes from Germany and, and Ger Germany's come up again, but look at all the struggles that they've had. And, but, but on the other side of it, look what they've discovered, look what they've invented. Look at the Jewish heritage and the discoveries that they have because uh, they had a heart for God. And so we as a nation, 
Why, why are we as a nation, why are we so prosperous? Why have we been a nation that is, that technology and so forth has been so great in? You know, most countries that have technology stole it from us and just advanced on it. It's because we were a nation, I know it's not a popular thing today, but we're a Christian nation. We still are. We're going to call those things that be not as though they were. You know, we're a Christian nation, and as a result of that, we have the blessings, we have the prosperity that we have. Why? Because the wisdom, the knowledge, was hidden in Christ. And it isn't like all of a sudden he just, no, we, we seek it out and he, he, he gives us that understanding and we see things because of what he's done within us. To discover the treasure that's hidden in the world, we first must find him. First we must be in him and we'll see those things. To learn the entirety of the world's understanding is only to find knowledge. You know, there, there's a lot of things that people in the world, they know it, but what good does it do? What good does it do humanity? What good does it do anybody? But when we know the truth, it's that truth that sets us free. Several scriptures there, they're there in your notes, and, and it says, but only the fear of the Lord is the beginning of of knowledge, and, and we won't read it, but that's in all those verses that talks about the fear of the Lord. And when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, it's not talking about being afraid of God. It's talking about having an awe for God, having a, a reverence for God. That when we have a fear, when we have a reverence for God, it says that's the beginning of knowledge, because at that point, we're in a place where we can begin to understand things. But you know what? If we don't have a fear of God, if we don't understand God, if we don't acknowledge Him, um, we're nowhere. All we have is a bunch of information. I know about you, I want, I want more than information. I want the knowledge of God. I want the wisdom of God so that I can take it and apply it in my life. Then in verse 4, he begins to talk about the problems that they're encountering. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are really persuasive. And it sounds good, it sounds right. Um, I was up at Rockwell City on, on Monday night and just having a grand old time preaching away and one guy had a question, and so I, I stopped, and I, I, I kind of addressed that question and so forth. And, you know, and a lot of times, you know, you, you, you sense immediately that when, when somebody's just trying to get you off track to disrupt the, the class or whatever it was. And so then I, I began to uh, share again. Then at another point, he had, a, had something. I thought about ignoring him this time, but I thought, okay. You know, and so then at this point, I, I realized that actually the guy is not only coming to our study, he's going to every study, including the Muslim studies, and, you know, putting it all in the same, same category, and so then, you know, I had to address things. But, but the point is, it's, it's, it's deceptive, and it tries, to, it tries to draw you in 
to think that, you know, I'm, I'm intelligent here, you know, because what he's using is learned knowledge. And, and so, you know, <clears throat> I remember years back, I had a, a, a young woman came to our house when we were up in Wapaka, Wisconsin, and, and uh, you know, I answered the door, and immediately I knew who it was because she was carrying her little packet, and, and it was a Jehovah's Witness, and, and she tried to get me to buy her material and so forth, and I says, no, I'm, I'm really not interested in that. And, uh, but I said, and so now I'm trying to draw her in, you know, <clears throat> and so I, I said, but I want you to know that I really respect you. And she about fell off the steps because that's not normally what she would hear. And I says, I want you to know I really respect you. And, and she says, so why is that? And I says, because you're really out practicing what you believe. And I says, the only sad part of it is, is according to scripture, it's to no avail because there's only one way to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. She says, so you're trying to tell me that you believe that there's a hell. And I says, yeah, I, I, I do. And she says, well, why do you believe that? And I says, because it's in the Bible. And she says, I don't believe it's in the Bible. And I says, well, do you remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Why well, I started by saying, do you, do, do, you, do you believe that any time the Bible talked about a parable, it talked about it as being a parable? It introduced it as a parable. And she says, yes, I believe that. And I says, so you remember the, the story of uh, the rich man and Lazarus? And so we went through that whole thing, and I says, how the rich man died and went to hell. And she says, well, that was a parable. And I says, pull out your Bible. Let's look in your Bible, and it doesn't say that it's a parable. And of course, she wouldn't at that point. She says, well, I'm sorry. I've got to get going. I've got some people waiting for me, you know, which is always what happens when you, when you start making progress. But see, the point is, and this is why you know, what one, you know what two of the fastest growing religions are in the world today? Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. And do you know why those two are, are, are two of the fastest growing religions that, they, that there are? Because they're, they're two of the religions that are the closest to the truth. But let me tell you something. The most damning lie is the lie that's the closest to the truth. And so because of, you know who the number one, uh, the greatest converts to Jehovah's Witnesses are and to Mormonism? It's religious people. It's people coming out of the Catholic Church and many of our mainline denominations. And you know why? Because we haven't taught them the Word of God. And so they come in with an element of truth. They pull out the Bible. In fact, they'll start out using your Bible. And they'll lead you to scriptures in your Bible. And so it's got to be accurate then. It's got to be truth then because it's in my Bible. But then eventually they'll get you into their Bible where it, it talks, in the big, talks about God and it says concerning Jesus, it says, and Jesus was God. Their Bible says Jesus was a God. And so in a very subtle way, they take away from us the deity of God. And so what they'll do is they, they suck us in. It's deception. And this is the very thing that Paul is talking about. And this is why the Word of God is so important to us. I heard somebody sharing, he had been in 
with the uh, treasury uh, government. And he said, you know, they, they train people to be able to tell the difference between real money and counterfeit money. And he says, you know how they train them? Well, my idea, you'd get all kinds of examples of counterfeit money and you'd, you'd study them. said, so, no, what they do is they, they, they have real money. You examine, you learn everything there is about that money. You smell it, you know, you look through it, everything. You get so that you know that money as well as you know the back of your hand, if not better. And then when counterfeit money comes along, you immediately recognize it. You may not even know exactly why you think it's counterfeit, but you know there's something wrong with this. And so you begin to examine it. How do we examine, how do we determine whether something that we hear is truth or error? Is it by studying the cults? No, that'll just teach you about the cults. Is it about studying Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or, or any of the other religions? No, we study the scriptures and we get so familiar with the scripture that when something comes along and it's air, we sit there and, I don't know what's wrong with that, but something's not right here. And you see, that's even true with the Holy Spirit. Because I've often said, you can take two preachers, you can give them the same outline, the same scriptures, everything, and you can have them preach the same message. One will minister life, the other one will minister death. Why? Because one is under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the other one is under the anointing of flesh. And it's to draw you in. And so we need the truth. And we find that truth in the Word of God. And so that's what Paul is addressing here. He's saying stay steadfast to the faith. And so then we read on. Well, let me start in verse 4 again. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, because people will try to persuade you. But when you've got the truth of the word, you don't have to worry about that. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He's saying, even though I'm not with you in the flesh, I'm hearing the reports. I see what you're doing. Continue to walk forward in the things of God. Verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. You know, Paul says later on, he says, you've begun in the flesh, are you going to be perfected? You've, been, you've begun in the spirit, are you going to be perfected in the flesh? You know, and that's basically what he's making reference to here. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus. How do we receive Christ Jesus? By faith. Faith came by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How are we going to continue to walk? We're going to continue to walk by the spirit, by the word of God. You see, this, this walking here that he's talking about, it's a, it's a process. It's something that we, we, we continue in. It's, it's one step at a time. Let me read the, the literal as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk forward movement a step at a time, yea, in him. And so it's one step at a time. It's not leaps and bounds. 
You know, oftentimes I've seen people that it seems like they just grow in leaps and bounds. But you know what? The, the difficult part with that is they, they expect it to continue that way. And oftentimes they've gone beyond what they're really able to, to, stay, to sustain in their life. And so the best way for us to walk is, is one step at a time. One step at a time. We just keep walking forward. And it's a, it's a continual forward motion. I don't remember who said it. I think it was Bob Yandian or somebody like that made the statement one time. He says, you know, God doesn't expect perfection from us. But he does expect progress. And see, one step at a time may not be very quick, might not be very fast, but it is making progress. And that's what we're to do in our walk with him. Walking is always a picture of temporal truth or growth in God's kingdom. And so it's always a walk in Christ. Keep walking in the truth. Keep walking in the, the realities. Verse 7. Rooted and built up in him. Established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding in it, with thanksgiving. As you've established in faith, built up in him, see the center is always going to be Christ and the word. Anytime Christ and the word is no longer the focal point, um, it's time for antennas to go up. It's time to be aware. It's time to be cautious because it's always going to be, uh, Christ is going to be the center and the word. It's going to be established on the word. Established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. In other words, we ought to have a thankful heart. You know what we need to be doing? Is we need to be thanking him for the promise. Thanking him that it already belongs to me. I may not see it manifested yet in my life, but it belongs to me because I am in Christ Jesus. You know, the title of that seventh verse is Knowledge of God's Word is the Key to Success. Knowledge of God's Word, understanding God's Word, it's the key to success in every area of our lives. Rooted and built up in Him and established, stabilized in faith as you have been taught abounding, overflowing therein with thanksgiving to be grateful, to give thanks. You know, there's something about having a thankful heart. It just, even if nothing changes, it seems like everything's changed when we have a thankful heart. But when we allow negativity to begin to rise up, you know, again, you know, I just, I just stay away from the news. Because it's so negative. I, I mean, I can literally feel my emotions change as I watch the news. Well, Pastor, you're weak. Well, I guess I am. At least I recognize it. And so I'm going to do something about it. I'm not going to watch it. Now, I, I, I watch it to a point to, to know what's going on. But, but I can just always feel my temperature rising, you know, and, and so I, I stay away from it. 
because I can't, I can't afford it. I can't afford the negativity. You know, we, we, we think we can handle stuff. We can't handle it. And we need to recognize it and stay away from it. We need to be rooted and built up and established in faith. <coughs> and that comes through the Word of God. Satan wants to steal it from us. Again, going back to Ephesians, the third chapter, in the 16th verse, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, height. See, we're supposed to experience the fullness of it, the depth of it, not just the surface of it. And then we go on into the eighth verse, and it says, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul. The, the apostle who wrote two-thirds of the epistles of the New Testament, he says this, to me, who am, least, who, who, who am less than the least of all the saints, Paul says, I'm the least of all the saints. This grace was given. Just think, he's, he's overwhelmed with it. Do you have a grateful heart? Do you look at your life and think, oh man, I sure don't, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve eternal life. I don't, I don't deserve the blessings of God in my life. I don't, the thing, I don't deserve this. Hallelujah, must be getting close. But, he, but, but this is Paul. You know, sometimes we, and, and, and what he's saying here, I don't believe it's a, it's a false humility type thing. I think Paul looks at his life, and it, it's, it's not that he's feeling down. He feels so blessed because he thinks of everybody that's out there. I'm the last one that I would have ever chosen. You know, I, I think about me graduating from high school, I would have been the most least likely. You know, but yet, God chose me. And you know what? That's true for every one of us in this room. And I believe that that's what Paul is saying. And, and so he's saying, no matter what we can pull, pull from this, Paul is saying that I wasn't worthy, and if Paul wasn't worthy, but yet this revelation was given to him, it's given to me as well because I don't have to be worthy because he wasn't worthy. But Christ made us worthy. We're all on the same plane. And so he says, to me, who am less than the least, I like that, less than the least, of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I was given this privilege to preach to the Gentiles 
the unsearchable riches of, of Christ. That was really a nice passage. But let's go back to Colossians. I could have preached there. In fact, I might have. I think thinking something here just doesn't seem to be closing right. Colossians 2, verse 8. I was in Ephesians 2, 8. Mercy, 3, 8. Beware. There we go. Beware, lest anyone cheat you. I don't want to be cheated. To be anything less than what Christ has called you to be is to be cheated. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the base principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Philosophy, man's wisdom. We hear a lot about man's wisdom, that he wants to cheat us. You know, man's philosophy, man's wisdom, according to base principles of this world, the things of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're not, our life isn't dictated by what takes place in the natural sense. We're a spiritual being, we're of a higher kingdom, we're of the kingdom of God. The traditions of man, let me tell you something, a lot of religion are the traditions of men. You know, I was, I was sharing Monday night again up at the prison and I said, you know, faith is easy. I used to think faith was difficult. But really, faith is easy. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hear the Word, faith comes. Hear the Word, faith comes, get born again. And then we begin to grow from there. So faith is easy. Hear the Word, faith comes. So why does it seem difficult? Well, the difficult part is unlearning the traditions that you learn. The traditions that we learn is anything that goes contrary to the Word of God. I was taught you never know about God. Sometimes He heals, sometimes He doesn't. Some people have the tradition, there's certain people that God predestines to be saved, and some people He predestines to be damned. Well, we talked about predestination, that's not the Bible predestination, because we've all been predetermined to be saved. That's his will, for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And so we have, you know, one of the traditions I grew up with was um, poverty and holiness went hand in hand. You know, keep the preacher poor and humble. Hallelujah. Well, the only thing that I learned about being poor was you're poor. I've met people that are poor that are just as proud as arrogant as a millionaire probably more so. And 
traditions of men. Don't allow the traditions of men to hold you back. How do we get rid of the traditions of men? The Word of God. I had the tradition of man that you never knew about God that he put sickness on you to teach you something. How'd you get rid of it? I found out that by the stripes of Jesus you've been healed. That Jesus Christ of Nazareth went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That his will was for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And healing is part of sozo, part of salvation. And so when you come to know those truths, the doubt and unbelief, it has to get out of the way. Amen. So, Paul warns them. And so that same warning is there for us, that we won't fall prey to the lies and the deceptions that are out there. And the answer isn't studying the lies and the deception. The answer is studying the truth, because the truth will set us free. Amen? Father, we just thank you for your, your word. We seal it tonight by your precious Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you that you're continually teaching us and showing us the way. We thank you that you've given us your word, that it's living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder that which is soulish from that which is spirit. We want to walk in the spirit, and so we trust you. Father, we want those deficiencies in our life to be filled, and we know only you can fill it. And so we give you permission to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. Have a good evening.